0: <wrecking> <Olympics>
1: Greetings. This is podcast number fifty-seven of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from the dot com. Today, we're going to have a change of pace from the previous several weeks of one-topic in-depth discussions. Instead, you'll be presented with a smorgasbord of tasty dishes you can use to nourish the intellect of each one of your friendly local right-wingers. Let's get right into it. On the menu is Katrina, IRS abuse, and Bush failures in the war on terror. Various and sundry tidbits of truth for you to feed your neighborhood wingnuts. Hopefully these dishes will tempt them to give up their diets of denial. As you listen, do imagine which item would match up best to each right-winger you know. Katrina. We're at the one-year anniversary of this largely man-made calamity. Keep in mind as we discuss this that one of Karl Rove's electoral strategies has been to eke out for the GOP a couple more percentage points of the African-American vote. Even if African-Americans still vote overwhelmingly for Democrats, a reduction from 90% Democratic to 88% Democratic could well spell victory for the GOP in tight races. So it's critically important to keep Katrina if not on the front burner, at least on the middle burner as we approach the November midterm elections. To do so, let's first remind ourselves of the human tragedy that unfolded those sad days. I can't show you visuals to remind you of what happened, but I can let you listen to these moving words from a local government official speaking in quite personal terms. The guy who runs this building I'm in, emergency management, he's responsible for everything. His mother was trapped in St. Bernard Nursing Home. And every day she called him and
2: said, are you coming, son? Is somebody coming? And she said, yeah, mama. Somebody's coming to get you. Somebody's coming to get you on Tuesday. Somebody's coming to get you on Wednesday. Somebody's coming to get you on Thursday. Somebody's coming to get you on Friday, and she drowned it Friday night. She drowned it Friday night.
1: Mr. President,
2: you... nobody's coming to get us. Nobody's coming to get us. The secretary has promised. Everybody's promised. They've had press conferences. I'm, I'm sick of the press conferences. For God's sakes, shut up and send us somebody.
1: Somebody's coming to get you, Mama. I don't know if New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin was also at fault here, or how much. I'm no great fan of his. From what I understand, he's essentially a figurehead bought off by the wealthy white business class in the city. Regardless, where the heck were the feds while those people were on the roofs and on the overpasses screaming for help, like you saw on TV? and while this man's friend's mama was waiting and drowning. Lack of timely aid, of course, is a prime sin of the right-wing Bush administration in this debacle. But right-wingers are not normal people, intellectually or emotionally. They don't see the Katrina catastrophe the same way you and I do. Let's go over some of their twisted reactions to the death and destruction of Katrina, Reactions which would certainly lead African Americans and decent human beings of any race to feel further alienated from the GOP. Right-wing reactions fall into three main categories. A short clip will illustrate each one. First, here's George's mama, Barbara Bush, after touring the Houston Astrodome with her husband, Bush 41. She has just seen Thousands of evacuees from New Orleans living on a sea of cots who had lost their homes, their jobs, their loved ones. Listen for her chuckle. And so many of the people in the arenas here, you know, were were underprivileged anyway. This This is working very well for them. It's not so bad. It's working rather well for them she's bemused and indifferent at best disdainful and contemptuous at worst you might query does your right winger share this kind of hard-hearted attitude is he or she proud that it's how the president's mother reacted another common right-wing reaction is that of bill o'reilly every american kid should be required to watch
0: videotape of the poor in New Orleans and see how they suffered because they couldn't get out of town. And then every teacher should tell the students, if you refuse to learn,
1: if you refuse to work hard, if you become addicted, if you live a gangsta life, you will be poor and powerless just like many of those in New Orleans. It's their own fault. They're poor because they refuse to learn. They refuse to work hard. They become addicted. They live a gangster life. Condemnation of the poor, blaming them for their situation, is always a crowd pleaser among right wingers. This is the right wing's social Darwinism philosophy. See podcast number 20 for a full treatment of this noxious thought virus. Lastly, there's the belief that the Bush administration's Katrina failure is just how it must inevitably be. If we learn too. too If we
0: learned anything from Katrina, we learned the government is incapable of providing most things for most human beings.
1: Katrina's lesson, according to Sean Hannity, is that the government is incapable of providing most things to most human beings appoint incompetence to high positions, and then when they fail, say, see, it's an inherent trait of government that it can't do anything properly. A New York Times letter writer captured this viewpoint perfectly, Quote, The Bush administration's bungling isn't simply a matter of incompetence, but a deliberate playing out of conservative ideology. Our national government is in the hands of men and women who do not believe in good government and who do not believe that government can be, or should be, a beneficial presence in the lives of ordinary citizens. Crisis by crisis, Americans are being re-educated to expect less from their government. Witness the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which was a useful, well-led agency under President Bill Clinton's appointee, James Lee Witt, and a fumbling shambles after inexperienced Bush political appointees took over. Keep up the drumbeat of low expectations, conservatives seem to believe, and it will become received wisdom. Don't expect social security. Don't expect health care. Don't depend on the pension you were promised. And for heaven's sake, don't expect rescue from the storm. Close quote. If the right winger you're dealing with, expresses approval of all three of these right-wing reactions. It's not so bad. It's the poor's own fault they were in that predicament anyway, and the government can't be expected to help them. Well then, you've got a real hardcore specimen there. For the non-hardcore members of the right, perhaps the attitudes expressed by Barbara Bush, Bill O'Reilly, and Sean Hannity might allow some understanding of why the African-American community shuns the GOP like the plague. It would be useful to give you a word now as well about what's going on in the post-Katrina aftermath. To my mind, first and foremost, is that always, the children are the ones who suffer the most. Quote, Howard and Joy Osovsky, a husband-wife team of mental health experts at the Health Sciences Center of Louisiana State University, have screened more than 2,700 area children since the storm. Among those in fourth grade and beyond, 49% met the threshold for clinical referrals. Symptoms included depression, aggression, an abundance of disturbing memories of the storm, or an aversion to thinking about it at all. One in seven felt the problem strongly enough to request psychological assistance. Close quote. Half the children need professional psychological help. I can't imagine the kind of mental anguish these little ones are suffering. If a right-winger says, okay, Bush screwed up, But he's doing a good job now. No, it's the exact opposite. Much of the recovery is going exceedingly slowly, and the manner in which it's being undertaken is designed for nefarious purposes. This is the second thing that stands out to me, how the GOP is taking advantage of this tragedy for electoral gain. As Frank Rich wrote this past Sunday, quote, Douglas Brinkley, the Tulane University historian who wrote the best-selling account of Katrina, The Great Deluge, is worried that even now the White House is escaping questioning about what it is up to and not in the Gulf. Quote, I don't think anybody's getting the Bush strategy, he said when we talked last week. The crucial point is that the inaction is deliberate. The inaction is the action. As he sees it, the administration, tacitly abetted by New Orleans opportunistic mayor, Ray Nagin, is encouraging selective inertia, whether in the rebuilding of the levees, the rebuilding of the Lower Ninth Ward, or the restoration of the wetlands. The destination? A smaller city, with a large portion of its former black population permanently dispersed. Quote, Out of the Katrina debacle, Bush is making political gains, Mr. Brinkley says incredulously. The last blue state in the Old South is turning into a red state. Close quote. And the African American community knows this. By the way, a right winger may try to counter you with the argument that Bush has done a lot for the African-American community and that they should be grateful because he appointed African-Americans to high positions like Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice. A simple and effective response would be, putting an African-American face on terrible policies doesn't make those policies any less terrible or the creator of those policies who appointed those African-Americans any more deserving of support. Such cynical appointments rack up zero points for George Bush in the African-American community or among any other observers interested in genuine diversity. The African-American community sees through this high-level appointment scam just as it has always seen through all of the right-wing lies. Why not so inform whichever clueless right-winger you can grab the attention of?
0: We had a bundle in the treasury drawer More than there had ever been before But every day we're drowning deeper in debt Maybe four years should be all you get Then you gave tax breaks to the millionaires And you tried to make the working man pay But you can't tax a man when his job's not there now look at where we are today. Hey, I'm taking my country back. Son, you ain't been doing her right. Oh, well, I've been watching you and I don't like how you've been treating my stars and strides.
1: And now a word from a listener who started his own progressive podcast. <laughs>
0: Welcome to One Goose, One World, the weekly show where we talk about all things sustainable. If you're like me and feel there's something terribly wrong with this world, then this show's for you. Each week we focus on big picture issues facing our planet and how you and I as individuals can make a difference. Specifically, this show focuses on sustainability, the environment, and peacemaking. Each week I'll provide news, my famous rambling rants, and tips on how to become an effective advocate. And most importantly, we'll explore personal lifestyle changes and ways we can all reduce our footprint on the earth. I promise not to torture you too much with boring technical stuff. This show is all about having fun. And why the name Goose? Well, because if we don't start changing our way soon, we'll all be goosed. And oh yeah, we'll even try to throw in an interesting interview or two each week as well. So spread your wings and let's take a journey. A journey to save the world. To subscribe, simply do a search in iTunes or with any other podcast directory. Just use the search phrase One Goose and you'll find me. That's O-N-E space G-O-O-S-E. See you later.
1: Some people don't pay all the taxes they owe. They get caught. They admit they owe the taxes. The IRS collects the money. Not so when right-wingers are in charge. IRS officials say that Congress has refused to authorize the hiring of more so-called revenue officers. So instead, the IRS has contracted with three private companies to collect monies from twelve and a half thousand taxpayers who each owe less than twenty five thousand dollars. This is the first step towards a broader privatization of tax collection efforts. The problem is, collecting taxes owed via this privatization route is terribly costly to the federal government. You won't believe how costly. This private debt collection program will net the government only 1.1 billion dollars over 10 years. In stark contrast, Charles Rosati, who was IRS Commissioner from 1997 to 2002, told Congress that if it authorized the hiring of more revenue officers, the IRS would net 87 billion dollars over the 10 years. In other words, by refusing to hire these IRS revenue officers, the right-wingers in control of Congress are deliberately cutting legally owed to the government by taxpayers' federal revenues by $86 billion. The IRS has confirmed the validity of these numbers. Besides loss of revenue, privatization of debt collection creates a greater potential for abuse of taxpayers with debtors at risk of being tricked into remitting their tax payments to scam artists. I'm sure all of you have gotten those phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, emails that try to entice you to click on a link where you're taken to a spoof but realistic-looking website and asked to pay money or enter private financial information. Indeed, the IRS last week, quote, warned taxpayers of swindlers posing as debt collectors hired by the agency, quote. Congress was also warned by Nina B. Olson, the IRS's own taxpayer advocate, that when those operating to maximize profits rather than under IRS rules designed to safeguard taxpayers' rights do the collecting, other abuse of taxpayers can also be expected to increase. And who says the firms selected by the IRS are even upright concerns themselves? A former partner in one of them, a Texas law firm, went to jail after he admitted a few years ago that he bribed San Antonio officials to secure a collection contract there. In Brownsville, Texas, a competitor of that same law firm, sued the city for being improperly influenced by that law firm's political contributions in awarding contracts. I wonder if campaign contributions to the GOP have anything to do with the fact that this law firm and the others selected by the Bush administration IRS to participate in this debt collection privatization program will earn 330 million dollars over the next ten years. Nice payoff! Now, those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while will probably already see in the administration's behavior here the effectuation of three of the linchpins of right-wing strategy. First, we have Starve the Beast! Republican strategy guru Grover Norquist's infamous plan to shrink government down to the size where he could, quote, drown it in the bathtub. Second, we have the privatization of what remains of the government so that GOP cronies can reap huge profits. Finally, there's the abuse that taxpayers are expected to suffer from the private collection agencies, which, since it's being done in the name of the government, will undoubtedly add to anti-government sentiment a constant right-wing goal. A trifecta of right-wing goals accomplished at the expense, as usual, of we the people. In my line of work, you gotta keep repeating things over and over and over again. to kind of catapult the propaganda. And, and catapult the propaganda. A of propaganda. Inspector Charles Dolfer has now issued a comprehensive
0: report that confirms the earlier conclusion of David Kay that Iraq did not have the weapons that our intelligence believed were there. Um, it turned out that we have not found
1: any stockpiles. I think it's unlikely that we will find any stockpiles.
0: I don't know anybody.
1: There are all sorts of war-on-terrorism failures that you can bring up to any right-wingers you have the pleasure to converse with. In the homeland security arena, for example, aviation, ports, and chemical plants have all been left highly vulnerable by Bush administration neglect. Here are four gaping holes in aviation safety. The recent arrests in Great Britain in that alleged plot to blow up ten planes in the sky revealed anew that we still have no system to detect liquid explosives. This despite the fact that we were put on notice of such schemes over 12 years ago when a similar plot to blow up planes over the Pacific was foiled. Another. At the current snail's pace it will be Eighteen years before they finish integrating explosive detection machines into automatic baggage conveyor systems. Eighteen years? And another. No unified watch list for potential terrorists has been created. Get them some competent computer programmers. Finally, and perhaps most amazingly, at least to me, very little of the commercial air cargo that is carried aboard passenger planes is screened at all, decidedly still unsafe in the air. How about at sea? Every year millions of huge cargo containers enter our ports. Only a small percentage of them are screened when they get here. The Bush administration says that's okay because the shipments are checked and certified as safe before they're loaded on the freighters abroad. Sorry, not good enough. The stuff has to be checked once it gets here. Who knows what shenanigans can occur in the long periods of time those containers are at sea. Or if the foreign inspections are even adequate. Right-wingers rant and rave that terrorists could sneak a nuke across the southern border. Hey guys! Strapping a nuke to someone's back and having them traipse across the desert with it is not too likely, but sneaking one inside one of those shipping containers is. How come you're not jumping up and down and screaming about this far greater threat? Last but not least on the holes in Homeland Security front, we have chemical plants. The Bush administration, beholden to the industry from huge campaign contributions, has given into their demand that they be allowed to police themselves to set and enforce their own safety standards. Give me a break. If someone objects to setting a 40 mile per hour speed limit on a stretch of road, claiming that it's not necessary because they always go under 40 and can police themselves in that regard, you know they're full of it and always go way over 40 and that's why they don't want a real speed limit there. Same with the chemical industry. If they're setting appropriately stringent regulations and strictly enforcing them themselves, why would they object to it being written into law? Obviously, they're doing no such thing, leaving us all vulnerable. On air, sea, and land, Bush and his right-wing fanatics have failed to protect us. A concise way to put it, The fact that we haven't been hit is despite, not because of, George Bush. Let's go on to another war on terrorism failure, the Iraqi diversion. Here, I want to point out to you, and to any right-winger you care to share this information with, that we have passed a milestone in public opinion. Last week, a poll found that a majority, albeit a slight one, 51% 51% of Americans, quote, saw no link between the war in Iraq and the broader anti-terror effort, a jump of 10 percentage points since June. That increase comes despite the regular insistence of Mr. Bush and congressional Republicans that the two are intertwined and should be seen as complementary elements of a strategy to prevent domestic terrorism, close quote. A related growing consensus is that going to war in Iraq was a mistake, an increase from 48% in July. This is critically important. Right-wingers can no longer legitimately claim, although this doesn't mean that they won't continue to claim this, you just know you have the definitive evidence to rebut them. But of course, they don't care about evidence. But I digress. Right-wingers can no longer claim that we're a minority, a loony fringe, that the American people understand the link between Iraq and the War on Terrorism. It took years and years, and untold fortune wasted and suffering born and blood spilled, but the American people are finally catching on. Will some of the less crazed right-wingers do so as well? Perhaps with your gentle prodding. Finally, We couldn't discuss war on terrorism failures without discussing the granddaddy of them all, or should I say in this context, the mother of them all, Bush's failure to capture or kill bin Laden. We now know that, contrary to prior denials, Bush can be squarely blamed for the failure to capture bin Laden when he was cornered in Tora Bora. As the Washington Post reported on the recent bestseller the 1% Doctrine by Ron Susskind. With bin Laden holed up in the Afghan mountain redoubt of Tora Bora, the CIA official managing the Afghanistan campaign, Henry A. Crumpton, now the State Department's counterterrorism chief, brought a detailed map to Bush and Cheney. White House accounts have long insisted that Bush had every reason to believe that Pakistan's army and pro U.S. Afghan militias. Had bin Laden cornered, and that there was no reason to commit large numbers of US troops to get him. But Crumpton's message in the Oval Office, as told through Suskind, was blunt. The surrogate forces were definitely not up to the job, and quote, we're going to lose our prey if we're not careful. Close quote. On this point, about Bush's failure to capture or kill bin Laden, you'll definitely enjoy hearing the following exchange between Ann Coulter and Fox News Analyst, here subbing for Alan Combs, Kirsten Powers. Now, I must admit that a year ago, I wrote in my blog that Powers was more useless than Combs, that however much Hannity was more forceful, effective, and fire-breathing than Combs, Combs was over Powers so you can imagine how bad she was. Well, every dog has their day, as the saying goes, and here she kicked Ann's butt. Take a listen.
2: Let's, let's talk about, let's talk to Osama bin Laden. How about let's kill Osama bin Laden? How about let's find Osama bin Laden? You're talking about how, you know, Democrats don't want to do things on terrorism, which I actually will in a second go ahead and list the things they want to do. But how about the fact we invaded Iraq when, you know, over in Afghanistan, everything was falling apart? And the fact that, that we let Osama bin Laden get away, and the president said he doesn't even think about him. He doesn't what even care about him. What about that? Um... I look forward to hearing that list. Okay, you will Uh, in a second. But as for catching Osama... Um, it's it's irrelevant. Things are going swimmingly in Afghanistan. I mean, it's no, like a
1: fading movie <laughs> now. Things in um, Afghanistan
2: are going horribly. But this is interesting. Osama bin Laden who is irrelevant. Was, the person, the mastermind cannot... behind the al-Qaeda attacks on the United well, States is completely irrelevant. Is that what you're saying? Right. It was handed to Bill Clinton twice. Oh, it's Bill, Clinton's Bill Clinton fault. said no. Yeah, because I think uh, that no, actually, it's irrelevant. George Bush was president okay, on in 2001. I know you're trying to imitate Alan Combs, but yeah, at some point he okay. does let me answer. Let's go. Um, Michael, why don't we talk about yeah. the things that the the, okay, well, the Democrats night. actually are nice doing about here. the fact that all of the uh, the Demo- the Republicans, have voted against all the things oh, yeah, that Democrats have brought up, like increasing funding for border security, increasing funding Chris, uh, for I mean, I for, for uh, port security, increasing funding Co- for airline security. No, I mean, isn't that true, one. Michael? Real real uh, homeland uh, security starts at home. Yeah. And as
1: long- Help me, Sean. I'm falling and I can't get up, and it's Bill Clinton's fault. Ah, uh, I hear some music calling to Anne.
2: Whatever's wrong with this cruel world, Bill Clinton is to blame Oh It's Bill Clinton's fault, it's Bill Clinton's fault, that murder or assault Bill Clinton is to blame-o.
1: I only hope this uncharacteristically weak, uncertain, indeed pathetic performance by Coulter is a predictive template a harbinger of how the entire right wing will wilt in 2006 and be thoroughly, completely, not a crumb left on the table, be thrown out of office in 2008. I also hope each of you in confronting the right wingers in your own neck of the woods will be just as effective as Kirsten was. Before I close, let me mention that you're sure to hear the cut-and-run charge as soon as you bring up the war on terrorism. My suggested parry would be, yes, cut our losses and run away as fast as possible from a horrible policy that's destroying us at home by draining our treasury and killing and maiming our soldiers, and abroad by fomenting intense hatred of us virtually everywhere in the world. Then, you can launch into one or more of the Bush war on terror failures I've sketched above. One more thing. If you hear the silly charge, the Democrats have no plan to do things differently than Bush. You can just take all the Bush failures and make their correction the Democratic plan. On Homeland Security, we must have a crash program adequately funded to develop and install liquid explosive detection devices, Get those explosive detection machines installed in the baggage conveyor systems. Finish that unified watch list. Screen commercial air cargo on passenger planes. Inspect all containers entering our ports. And legislate strict safety requirements for chemical plants and other potentially dangerous domestic industries. And in the larger war on terror, no more diversion of resources to wars for oil and military bases which will allow us to refocus on battling Al-Qaeda and at the same time avoid stirring up any more anti-US sentiment in the world. So there you have it. Pick and choose different aspects of Katrina, sabotage of the IRS and the government itself, multiple failures in the war on terrorism. Pick one from column A, one from column B, a dessert perhaps from column C, And oh yes, you can share dishes. Food for thought for you to serve to your friendly local right-wingers. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Tomorrow is September 1st, so also please vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. You can find the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, where the first result. A special shout out to all the Red Dragon 365 listeners. If you go on over to the podcast homepage, you can sign up for free and then download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. A note to Gary who called in on the comment line. You mentioned there was a speech on Tom Hartman's website I should check out. I wasn't able to figure out which speech or where it was. Could you let me have that information, please? One other thing. A listener now has a great website, nobojo.org. N-O-B-O-J-O dot O-R-G. It contains some really interesting and indeed frightening information about Bob Jones University. MUSIC CREDITS! The bumper music today was Takin' My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth, Not the One Blues by Burnsheath Thornside, and Catapult the Propaganda by Nye's Music. We also heard a bit of Clinton is to Blamo" by The Freedom Toast. We'll close with a little bit of You Razzle Dazzled 'Em" by Bill Jacobs. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. As always, keep all that great email coming in. You can write me a substantive comment or just write in to say hello. My address is rational at adelphia.net. I do read every piece of email I get, although it may take me up to a week to reply. If you prefer, you can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. The number is 310-933-5891. I can also be reached on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
0: Razzle dazzle, you razzled dazzled them You gave them an act with lots of flash in it Made them believe you were compassionate Gave them the old hocus pocus You misdirected them With 9-11 and Saddam Hussein Played them both, right to perfection, despite the fact there's no connection. You're razzle dazzled, let those blue states complain. If this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> you gave them the old, stay the course, I'm your man.